including a set of twin girls born in 1955. Okay, then. Listen, kids, this is your PSA. Don't snort blueberry Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> How's that feel? <laughs> but hey, we made it to double digits. Woohoo! <laughs> oh, God, I'm crying. Shit. <laughs> oh, God. oh, it's not every day that we start an episode <laughs> Between snorting Red Bull and both of us being slap happy. <laughs> oh, Lord. Shit. Okay. Welcome to 10 0. <laughs> <laughs> If you're just now tuning in, almost every episode is like this. I apologize uh, in advance. All right. So, well, today we're going to dive right in with our true crime. Or our, tidbit. Yeah. Our today in true crime history. So, we're <laughs> going to go back to July 16th, 1979. Jeffrey McDonald stood trial for the murder of his wife and children on this day. Captain McDonald made a call to military police at at Fort Bragg. Very little of his blood was found outside of the bathroom. Each member of the family had different and distinguishable blood types. So it wasn't that hard to rule out anything. But that also poses the question, were the children Were they actually related? Yes. February 17th, 1970. 1970. I was going to say. Claiming four hippies attacked him and his family. Oh. Back then, that was a term for, you know, anyone (laughs) who was anti-military at the time. Um, Or indulged in, you know. Smoking a little bit of weed. Um, once they arrived at the home, responders found Colette and their two daughters, aged five and two, dead from multiple stab wounds. Oh. Yes. Jeffrey also had stab wounds, and the word pig was written in blood on the headboard of one of the beds. There was no proof of a struggle inside the home. Disproving Jeffrey's statement of being attacked. Blood and fiber evidence did not. In addition, his wounds were less severe than those of his family. His wife and children were each stabbed over 20 times. Jesus fuck. 22-0? Yes. Jesus. The charges were dropped initially due to a bad forensic investigation in 1970, which... They don't have the things like you see on all of our crime shows now. But still, that's bullshit. Um, A three-month military... In all honesty, waiting that long just to go to trial is crap. I'm still stuck on the blood type thing. Yeah. I mean, there's a possibility the children weren't his. Or they were adopted. True. If they were all that distinguishable. Because, like, I know I'm open-ended without court-martial. 
thanks to lack of evidence. In 1974, a grand jury indicted him for murder, but the trial didn't start until five years later. He was convicted of murder and sentenced to three consecutive life sentences. So he gets for being a garbage human. Hey, there it is. It only took us four minutes. It's fine. Yeah. You know, we had to get through the laughing first. (laughs) Catherine Knight. Oh, yes. Cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Lady. Yeah. It only gets worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So Catherine Knight was born and raised in a rather dysfunctional family environment. Mm-hmm. Her mother, Barbara, was married to Jack Rogan and lived with him in Aberdeen, located in New South Wales, Hunter Valley. Together they had four sons before her mother began sleeping around with Ken Knight, a friend of her husband. Oh. The affair caused a major scandal... No shit. Because both families were well known. Um, Barbara had four children with Ken. Catherine Knight was the younger of these twins. I didn't know she was a twin. Yep. In 1959, when she was four, Jack Rogan died and his two boys that had been living with him moved in with Barbara and Ken. Knight's father was an alcoholic that used violence and intimidation to rape Barbara up to ten times a day. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Say it with me. Garbage, Garbage human. human. <laughs> Barbara dis- often disclosed her sex life. When she was in high school, she was a loner and is remembered by classmates as a bully. She is said to have assaulted at least one boy at school with a weapon. Knight was a model student. Despite that, even earned awards for her good behavior despite these claims. Upon leaving school at 15, she became employed as a cutter in a clothing factory. Um, A year later, she left to start her dream job, insert air quotes here, um, cutting up offal, which is like the internal organs of like cows and pigs at a slaughterhouse. There, she was quickly promoted to boning. You're an idiot. <laughs> and was given her own set of butcher's knives. The knives were hung over her bed at night, so mm-hmm. they would always be handy if I needed them. <laughs> Insert air quotes there. Um, a habit she continued until she went to prison. Shocker. She met her first husband, David Stanford Kellett, hated sex and men with her children. When Knight was old enough, she had complained to her mother that one of her partners wanted to take part in a sexual act she did not want to perform, and Barbara told her to put up with it and stop complaining. Oh. Yeah. Knight claimed she was often sexually assaulted by several members of her family, though not by her father, which continued until she was 11. So that being in her, like, biography type stuff that close together kind of makes me wonder what they thought was like old enough. Right. He had many tragic incidents happen around him, including his best friend being killed right in front of him during a shunting accident at a rail yard. Oh. As well as watching a train hit a school bus killing six children in 1968. Jesus. It is said that he drank heavily due to bearing witness to these horrific accidents. Yeah. 
I can't say that I wouldn't do the same no. thing. Um, allegedly, Kellett would also partner with her twin. Um, Knight and Kellett were married in 1974. Her mother had given him advice, stating that he had better watch her or she would kill him. On the night of their wedding, Knight had tried to strangle Kellett, later explaining that it was due to him falling asleep after three rounds in the sheets. Um, I'm sorry. Railway line before uh, stealing an axe and going into town threatening to kill people. Yeah. A man saved the baby just minutes before the train passed. She slashed the face of a woman with one of her knives in an attempt to force the woman to drive her to find Kellett only a few days later. Oh, she's fucking psycho. Um, Cuckoo. Pants. <laughs> <laughs> she was arrested and admitted to a psych hospital where she made threats to kill the mechanic that fixed his car, Kellett, and his mother. Knight was released into the care of her mother-in-law after Kellett left his girlfriend and moved with his mother to support Knight. Good choice. Good choice. They're all Good choices. stupid at this point. Um, Great choices. <laughs> yeah. She gained employment at Denmore Meatworks. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, to say Ow. the marriage was violent was an understatement. Um, she had hit him in the back of the head with a frying pan, leaving him with a severely fractured skull at one point. But she talked him into dropping the charges. Sorry, but if you hit me in the head with a frying pan, you're going down. You're done. <laughs> like, fuck Bye -bye. you, fuck you, fuck you. I'm out. Fuck you. Uh, and you. <laughs> so, after the birth of their first child, Kellett left her for another woman. The next day, Knight was seen pushing the baby in a stroller, violently thrashing it from side to side. She was later diagnosed with postnatal depression or as we know it now postpartum depression postnatal um after being released of her treatment she placed the two-month-old baby and in 1983 had another daughter knight left kellett in 84 shortly after suffering an injury at work and went on disability knight met david saunders in 1986 a few months later Moving him in with her and her daughters. Uh, Knight quickly became jealous of what he was doing when she wasn't around and would often throw him out. She quickly became jealous of what he was doing when she... Uh, Get it together. God, I lost my place. My bad. <laughs> she begged him to return on numerous occasions. In 1977, she cut the throat of his two-week-old puppy in front of him as an example of what would happen if he cheated on her. What in the fuck? Before later going on to knock him out with frying pan. I'm sensing like major Medea vibes. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, like, if you're defending yourself, yes. swing what you gotta. Right. But don't just swing it at somebody just for the hell of it. Yeah. Or cut a puppy's throat. Right. That, hmm. Cook him in crazy pants. Yes. <laughs> What's her new name? Do, do I need to make decals for that too? <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that one. <laughs> um, in 1988, she gave birth to a third daughter. 
which caused him to buy a house. <clears throat> she decorated the house, and this is where it gets fucking weird. Um, she decorated the house with animal skins, skulls, bear traps, anything of that sort. Leaving absolutely no space uncovered. I'm down with the skulls. That's about it. But, like, covering the walls where there's no space in between anything? That's a bit much. After an argument, she hit him in the face with an iron. She stabbed him in the stomach and caused him to move back to his apartment. When he moved back, he found that she had cut up all of his clothes. Saunders then took a service leave and went into hiding. Like, disappeared off the face of the earth. Can you blame him? Nope. In 1997, Knight became pregnant by John Chillingworth with a son. Their relationship only lasted three years before she left him for John Price. He was the father of three children of his own when they met. The two older children lived with him, the youngest with his ex-wife. He knew of her reputation and violent tendencies when she moved into his house in 1995. Okay, but if you know, why are you letting it move in? I'm wondering if you're ever going to get it together. (laughs) No. Nope, you're fucking stuck with me. Um, His children did like her, and apart from arguments, their life was a bunch of roses, according to him. Anyone who describes life as a bunch of roses is a fucking liar. That's, uh... Um, shit. That's what I'm going with. In 1998, Knight and Price fought over him not wanting to marry her. She caused him to be fired from his job as retaliation. Lovely. Causing him to kick her out of the house. <laughs> Deuces. Price restarted the relationship only a few months after, but refused to let her move back in. In 2000, a series of assaults on Price ended with Knight stabbing him in the chest. Oh, God. For him kicking her out of his house again. Shocker. He then took out a restraining order on Knight in an attempt to keep her away from him, his children and himself. He went to work that day and told his co-workers after getting there that if he didn't come in the following day, she murdered him. Despite them not wanting him to go home, he was afraid that if he didn't, she would kill his children. Price went home to find that Knight had sent the kids away for a sleepover, and he then spent the evening with his neighbors before returning home for bed around 11 p.m. Earlier in the day, it said that she bought new lingerie and videotaped all of her children in an attempt at creating a will. She arrived at Price's house while he was sleeping, Woke him up for sex, and then he fell back asleep. Around 6 a.m. the next day, a neighbor noticed his car was still at home. And upon his non-arrival at work, his employer sent a worker to see what was wrong. So the neighbor and the co-worker tried knocking on the bedroom window and alerted police after finding blood on the front door. Police arrived at 8 a.m., so that was two hours after they found out that he was still at home. After breaking down the back door, they found Price's body and a passed out Catherine who had taken copious amounts of pills. He had woke up and tried to escape while she was chasing him through the house. He was either dragged or stumbled back into the house and into the hallway where he died from bleeding out. 
An autopsy revealed that he had been stabbed at least 37 times. Jesus. That's not all that happened. I know. (laughs) After he died, she skinned him and hung him from a meat hook in the doorway of the lounge, where she then decapitated him and cooked parts of his body. She served the meat with baked potato, pumpkin, beetroot, zucchini, cabbage, yellow squash, and gravy on two plates at the dinner table. Each plate was labeled with one of his children's names. She planned on fucking feeding his kids his body. No, thank you. His head was found in a still warm pot with the vegetables. She had stabbed Price with a butcher knife while he was sleeping. His body had been taken down and arranged with the left arm draped over a one liter bottle and his legs crossed. Knight had left a handwritten note on top of his photo that read, Time got you back, Jonathan, for raping my daughter. You to Beck for Ross, for little John. Now, play with little John's dick, John Price. The accusations in the note were found to be fictitious. So basically, he, like, supposedly raped her daughter and then was molesting his own kids. Um, no. So, yeah. That doesn't mean you skin. I mean... Well... I, mm, no. 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 Because right. she did it with, like, perfect knife skill. Like, better knife yes. skill than I have. Well, that's kind of what happens when you work in a I butcher know. shop. She initially pled guilty to manslaughter. However, that was rejected. She was arraigned in 2001 on the charge of murder, to which she pled not guilty. The next morning, she pled guilty. The judge, Justice O'Keefe, ordered a psychiatric assessment overnight to see if Knight understood the consequences of a guilty plea. Two psychiatrists concluded she had borderline personality disorder. Borderline? Yes. Borderline. Full-blown. Yes. She still (laughs) refused to accept responsibility for her actions, even needing to be sedated as they went through the facts of the case and what had occurred. The, so she she was so fucked out of her mind that she had to be sedated just to go through the facts of the case. You did it! You know what happened! Why do you need to be sedated? hours to skin him like that. Oh, God. To perfectly skin him, to not nick it at yes. all. I don't, did she get his man bits? I, I, I don't know. I don't remember. That wasn't in any of the details. I don't remember. That I went through. Um, she was, however, sentenced to life in prison, and her papers were marked never to be released. I mean, that's a plus. Yes. So. Okay. Ugh, I can't. Imagine how it. long that took. Well, I mean, he went to bed at 11. She showed up at some point and woke him up for, you know. Extracurricular. Extracurricular. <laughs> and then murdered him and skinned him. And, like, she had this all planned out because the pot was still fucking warm. Right. When they found him. And then feeding him to his children. Trying to, anyway. Like, I can't. I just. No. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that gave me chills. Garbage fucking human. So it was three floors that consisted of 18 of high-shaped cells on each level. The fourth floor was the jailer's quarters, which we'll talk about later. Um, the patent issued in 1881 declared, quote, the object of our invention is to produce a jail in which prisoners can be controlled without the necessity of personal contact between the inmate and jailers, and it provided maximum security with minimal jailer attention. Sure, because that's how that works. Because that's great. No inmate attention is fantastic. Sense the sarcasm in my voice. That's why I said, because that's how shit works. Right. So, to operate this monstrosity, um, the jailer had to turn a crank, and the cell door had to be matched up perfectly with the opening to get somebody out. You ready for a kind of creepy story? Absolutely. This one's kind of a short one, because I couldn't find a whole lot on it. But we are going to Council Bluffs, Iowa, at the Potawatomi Jail. Oh, better known as the Squirrel Cage Jail. Okay. Have you heard this one? I think I've briefly heard it, but it's kind of a creepy one, so... So, a little bit of background. The jail was built in 1885. Stayed in operation until 16... Wow. (laughs) 1969. (laughs) Get your shit together. God. Ugh. It was one of 18 revolving jails ever built and the only three-story one ever built. So, back in 1885, it was built at a cost of $30,000, which I went ahead and did the calculations because, you know, I would have been sitting here doing it, (laughs) was $810,000, which doesn't seem like it's that much for that. No. Intricate of a jail. Yeah. Like, it's got moving parts. I feel like it should be more expensive. Which kind of, like, creeps me out the right. idea of like a revolving I don't like jail. like what if there's a fire right like that no it's not okay I mean did you imagine if our jail was like that can you not <laughs> put that in bad juju out there I mean we're updating everything else why not now <laughs> now little heavy jailer boots and stuff okay so kind of like what we experience when we're at work and it's 3 a.m. and no one else is here with us. Yeah. 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 Um, Bill Foster was another jailer. However, this one was in the 1950s. Um, he refused to stay on the fourth floor because of the strange goings on. Okay. And he reported hearing people walk on the floor when no one else was there. Um, Otto Gufath. G-U-F-A-T-H. Say that how you will. (laughs) He was also a former jailer, and it's said that you can see his body floating around places. Okay. There's also a little girl. It's said that she is the original jailer's daughter. Um, But there's no record of a little girl dying on the property. The other scary thing is this building took five months to complete. Oh. Yeah, no. Just five months. No. It's also on an old um, 
hospital morgue. Oh, ground. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Chills. Yeah. God damn it. Sorry Every time. <laughs> so the first prisoners entered in September of 1885. Mm-hmm. Not surprisingly, prisoners lost limbs due to the rotating structure. And there was no warning as to when the cells would rotate. Oh. So you just had your arm out and got it got it ripped off. And someone decided to crank the lever. Pull the lever, crunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I've been waiting for the story to say. <laughs> if you didn't say it, I was going to. <laughs> oh, Pull the lever. It wasn't uncommon, I guess. Yeah. So... Speaking of reported deaths, there are only four that were reported in the jail. Um, one was a heart attack. One was suicide by hanging. One was a inmate that was on the third tier and fell while he was trying to carve his name in, in the ceiling. Because that's smart. And then the fourth was an officer that was accidentally shot during a strike in 1932. Oh. Yeah. Well done. So this jail has also had some infa- <laughs> infamous <laughs> residents. I should not have had that thing. <laughs> uh, the first was Jake Bird. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. Uh, he killed 46 people using an axe. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Spent his whole years in jail in Michigan, Iowa, and Utah. He was said to have put the, quote, Jake Bird hex on anyone he thought had a hand in his punishment. Ugh. That's great. But yeah, they would lose limbs because there's no warning as to when it's going to rotate. And, and again, that's why we revisit the fact that, you know, that's how things are supposed to work. That's not how things work. Right. Common fucking sense. In 1885? What's that? <laughs> Now, what's that? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I lost my spot. Okay, so I couldn't find a whole lot on ghosties, so it's kind of weird. That is kind of weird. But she tugs on clothing throughout okay. the entire jail. Um, you can hear her voices. Her voices? Because <laughs> she has more than one. You can hear her voice on the third and fourth floor, so the top tier of the jail and then the jailer's quarters up top. She can also be seen in a cell with no way in or out. So one that's not directly in front of the opening to get somebody out. Weird. Yeah. It's it's creepy. Like, Like that kind of bugs me that there's no record of her. I mean, it could. But she's there. 1800s. I mean. How many people died and there wasn't a record? Well, I mean, how many people died, you know, crossing on the Oregon Trail of whatever, you know. Dysentery? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, back in the... So, the first one that I found was J.M. Carter. He was a former jailer that stayed on the fourth floor, and he oversaw the building's construction. Oh. And it's said that you can see him walking around the fourth floor and hear footsteps of because that's how we do things unrelated slash related six people died shortly after okay then the judge died within a month so did the court's clerk two officers that took confessions 
from his crimes. And his lawyer died on the first anniversary of his sentencing. Oh. Because that's not creepy McCreeperson or anything. Yeah. Um, he was hung in 1949. And then Charles Noel Brown had a three-day drunken murder spree. He was the last man hanged in Iowa in 1962. Oh. And his noose is on display in the jail. Yeah, because that to have hanging right. around. It's not bad, you <laughs> Hanging her. <laughs> hanging around. <laughs> oh, shit. Pun was completely <laughs> God damn it. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh. Oh. Well. Hanging out. Just hanging. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Oh. I wish I could have found more on that. I couldn't really find a whole lot. I'm not always funny, but when I am, God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Back in my day. Just because I'm old <laughs> doesn't mean you get to make old people jokes. Uh, yeah, the- oh. Hello. Hello. Well, I hope you enjoy your shenanigans, people. Yes. Um, check out our website. We have decals that are up, and we're going to have keychains soon. Hopefully. Um, hopefully. Um, check out our Instagram and our Facebook that are linked in the show notes. Yes. And if start you... spreading the word, kids. Yeah. We're, we're trying to get a bigger fan base and get noticed a little more on podcasting platforms. Um, if you have any listener stories or case suggestions for us, send them to our email, which will also be in the show notes. Yes. Um, Yeah. As always, thanks for listening. Thank you. Stay safe. And don't become the next 10-0.